Well, I want to start by just, just asking some questions, because I think questions really help us the most, and I think these are some really, really important ones for us to kind of ponder, if you will. First question, uh, how are you doing? How are you doing? I, I, I know that's a question that we hear a lot, and it's a question that we ask a lot. Sometimes we don't necessarily give the actual answer, but I want you to think about that. Think about that. Uh, how are you doing? Second question, what are you feeling? And you may think, well, those kind of sound like the same question, but they are, they are different. How you're doing is not necessarily how you're feeling. It impacts it, but it may not be the same answer. And then finally, the last question, what, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Now, what's interesting about these three questions is they are all, they are all interconnected, okay? Because what you are thinking is going to determine how you are feeling, and how you're feeling is going to determine how you're doing, Simple as that. So I, I want us, as we begin this new series, All the Feels, as we begin to talk about our emotions and, and the idea that, that God has actually created emotions to highlight, if you will, the experiences that we have in life, they're really important for us to talk about. And, and I guess when we're talking about our emotions, talking about our feelings, we're, we're talking really about mental health, about mental health. And, and I, I want to I talk to you about again, not just emotions, but what's going on and, and, and how to get control of them and how to use them in a, in a way to really highlight our lives. So we're going to talk about mental health in this series, and, and I want to present, I want to hopefully give you uh, not, not just some conversations about mental health, but really some, some ideas on, on, on how to, to get some hope, how to have mental hope. And uh, along with that, we've got to add something else, because hope isn't it's not a strategy. We need it, but it, it isn't really going to help us in the long run in doing the things we need to do. So I want to offer some mental help, some ways to kind of work on things up here, if you will, maybe even some mental floss to get in the cracks and crevices and do some cleaning and do some work so that we are healthier and, and really to bring some mental healing. That's really the purpose of this today and really this series that we're in. And you may say, well, why are you the one that's presenting this idea, this series, the beginning of this series anyway? And, and I would say, well, why me? Well, that's simple. This is what I do. This is what I do. I work with people every single day. At Winning at Home, we have a team of six people that sit across the room from people and listen to what's going on and hopefully help lead them into a better life, a better place mentally, right? I mean, I, I, I've sat in this chair and I've talked to those people on that couch, whether it be a husband, wife, mom, dad, son, daughter, single, senior, whoever it may be from this chair, I, I've, I've done that work. Now, here's the other thing too. It's not just what I do, but it's, it's really what I deal with. It's what I deal with personally, because the truth is I've sat on both sides of this room. I've been in the chair and talked to people on the couch, but I've also been on the couch and talked to people in the chair. I've been the counselor as well as the counselee. I've been the coach as well as someone who has been coached. My first, first bout with depression was when I was 16 years of age. I'd never been through anything like that in my life. It lasted for three months. And it was something, it was something that was really, really hard on me. But it was something that actually led me to a relationship with Christ. I grew up in a Christian home, but I wasn't a Christian. In fact, I wasn't planning on being a Christian. I was walking far from God, and, and, and for whatever reason, however, however it happened in my life, God used it as a way to, to get me to Him, and so I'm grateful for that. But that, that was the, the, the first battle against depression, and, and really the, the worst battle with depression came about nine or ten years ago. When I was in a really, really dark place, I won't go into detail, but I will tell you that that was a time in my life where I... 
I didn't want to live. I didn't want to live anymore. Maybe a, a better way to describe it was I didn't want to live like that anymore. And so I, I, I am kind of in this series, sharing this series, this talk, for a couple reasons. One, it's what I do, and, it, and it's what I deal with. And if there were a third reason why I'm doing it, it's because Brandon is out of town. <laughs> and so that, those are the reasons that, that I'm leading this series and starting this series on uh, really all the fields. And, and maybe another question would come up, well, why? Why is this such an important series? And I don't even know whether you would even be asking that. I think all of us would agree it is a really, really big problem. We, we all understand that it's something that, that, that is going on all around us. One in four American adults will experience a mental health issue. And whether it's diagnosed or not, uh, th- there are all of us that are, that are struggling in different ways. One in six children or teens, uh, they'll experience a major depressive episode. One in 20 Americans live with a serious mental illness such as schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, or major depression. Suicide is a leading cause of death in the United States. In fact, it's the second leading cause of death for people ages 10 through 24. Wow, that's big. Charles Spurgeon said, the mind can descend far lower than the body, for in it there are bottomless pits. The flesh can only bear only a certain number of wounds and no more, but the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. Mental health is a really, really big issue. That's why I'm so interested in, in being a part of this series. It's a big problem. And the truth is, it's always been. It's always been a problem. When you look back through the Bible, when you look back through history, we see over and over again people struggling with the same things that we are struggling with today. Just the short list in the Bible includes Saul. It includes David, who went through a lot of depression. Elijah and Jonah had lots of conversations with God about, about suicide, about their lives not mattering, about their, their desire for their lives to end. And, and, then, and then there's Paul, and, and, and you may say, well, I, I'm not sure I, I get this with Paul. Well, here's, here's what I've, I've discovered about him. When you begin to search through the Bible on mental health, and you look up the word mind and how we should think and the thoughts and stuff, you will find that most of the ink came from Paul's pen. I don't know whether he struggled with this. I don't know whether he had a friend that struggled with this, but he talks a lot about this. And so this is a big problem, but it's definitely not a new problem. In fact, when we read through the Psalms, most of the time we consider the Psalms as being, those are the praise of the Thanksgiving Psalms. But the the truth be told, most of the Psalms are laments. Most of them are are written in a a place of trouble and and discouragement. Let's read some of them. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I'm lonely and I'm afflicted. Those are mental health those are mental health issues. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. Sheol is death. My, I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm dying here. And then it goes on and says, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? But here's, here's the thing that's really cool about the Psalms. When it gets to these laments, when it gets to these places where there's struggle and there's turmoil and there's pain and there's sorrow and there's despair, discouragement, depression... The psalmist does something that I think we ought to learn. It ought to be a template for our lives as well. He turns and he says, whoa, whoa, hope in God. For I shall again praise him. He is my salvation. In other words, the direction of their thoughts begins to turn from their situation to, <laughs> to their Savior. To their Savior. This is a problem that's been around a long, long time. Why a series on mental health? Well, another reason is because of COVID. COVID has 
has, has taken a toll on our, our lives. And, and part of that is, is because we, never, we weren't prepared for COVID. We didn't know about COVID. And all of us have these hippocampus in our, in our brains. And, and, and the hippocampus is, think of it as a, as a big file cabinet. And all of our experiences that we've had uh, go into these files. And when we experience them again, we're able to be a little calmer, a little cooler, and a little collected, a little more collected in, in facing them because we pull the file out and we go, oh yeah, a cold. I, I got a cold. Let's see here. When I had a cold last time, it was this, it was that. Oh, oh yeah, I, I'm good. I can figure this out. When I had the flu. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's see. When I had the flu, uh, it wasn't so good, but at least I kind of know what to expect. But when, but when COVID showed up, there, there was no file there was no file for COVID. We, we couldn't reach back and go, oh, COVID's here. Now, now, we know, now we know what to do. We didn't. And so that threw all of us in a panic. Luckily, we had a guy who was able to help us with some uh, navigating through these waters named Dr. Fauci, uh, who gave us some insight, or at least tried to give us some insight. Now, remember, he's, he's coming from a place where there's no file either, so he's kind of making this up. So you, you may remember, oh, COVID, you, you wash your hands. That's, that's what you got to do. You got to wash your hands good. You'll be good to go. And that, we found that that didn't really work, and we started washing our groceries, and, and that hopefully was helping. And, and then we began to wear masks, right? And then one wasn't enough. We had to put three masks on. And then, and, then, and then finally, hey, there's all kinds of, you ought to buy more toilet paper, right? So we're trying to fill this file, this file that is now called COVID with all this information, but it's, it's really messing with all of, our, all of our minds. And so why this series on mental health? For no other reason, just because of what we've all been through with COVID, with COVID. So all the feels, all the feels, this this series on mental health, I think hopefully we're going to have some things that are going to help us and, and, and change our lives in this and change our minds. Speaking of feelings, I, I want to tell you how I feel as I begin to work through this talk and even, even as we move through this series. I, I feel like we all know a lot about mental health. When I'm talking with couples or individuals and I'm blah, 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 blah about all the different things they can do, I'm listening to them and they're going, yeah, 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 because we... We know a lot. We've got the internet. We've got all kinds of information. We've got, we've got history now. We, we're talking about this a little bit more. It's becoming less of a stigma. People are talking, hey, my therapist told me. It's be kind of, kind of trendy, if you will, to, to be in, in therapy. And, and so we all know a lot. And, and one of my concerns, one of the things I feel, is that you're going to hear some things in this series that you already know. You already know. You're gonna, I know that. I know that. Hopefully there's going to be some new things too, but, but some of it is just going to be confirmation about what you already know. And, and I would just say, that, that's okay. That's okay. If, if we would just put into practice what we know and what we learn from this series, we can live a healthier, happier, holier life. And that's, that's really the goal. That's really what I'm hoping. And, and we can't cover it all, okay? This is really going to be a 30,000 foot view. We're not going to be able to hike all the trails and, and, and learn everything there is about mental health. But we're going to be able to look at some of the high tops. We're going to be able to look at some of the mountaintops and see what they have to, to teach us and to, to tell us, to help us to be healthier mentally, okay? So, I want to give you three things in this talk, three things that I think will, will help you that, that has, has helped me. And, and they're facts about the feels, okay? <laughs> facts about mental health. Uh, first of all, everybody has issues, right? Everybody has issues, including me, 
All right? Everybody has issues. I love what Brandon says. I love this mantra, if you will. Everyone matters. And I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that God loves us. I believe that God sent his son for us. I believe that God cares for not just us as a group, but he cares for us as individuals. He knows our name. He cares about each and every one. Everyone matters. I love that. That's what Brandon says. John Maxwell says everybody is a 10. Everybody is a 10. When he approaches people, he approaches relationships, approaches conversations, he says, this person is of incredible value. They are a, they are a 10. That's the way he approaches it. Uh, Brene Brown says, hey, when I talk with people, when I think about people, I believe that everybody's trying to do their best. They, they, they may not hit it, but, but they are definitely headed that way. I believe that everybody is trying to do best. As it relates to me, <laughs> I think everybody's crazy. Okay, I, I, I think that everyone has a, has a little bit of, of crazy in them. And when I talk to people, I, I picture in my mind that that we all have that we all have band-aids. All right. We all have boo-booed brains. And so sometimes it's easier for me in working with people and and talking with people to just simply know we're all broken. We all have some hurt and and it may not be a disorder. It may not be something that's been diagnosed, but, but, but maybe it's been a day where there's, there's been depression. Maybe there's a day where you're discouraged. Maybe there's a day when you got really angry and said some things, did some things. But all of us, all of us are a little, a little broken. All of us are a little crazy. And, and we know where that came from. The Bible's pretty clear. It came from Adam and Eve's choice. That infected and affected us all. Romans says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people. So here's the idea. Just like our bodies and our souls, our minds have been affected, have been affected by, by sin. Simple, simple as that. Now, now we, can't blame, <laughs> we can't blame Adam and Eve on all the bad stuff that's had, all of our mental issues, because we choose some of those too. We, we, we make choices, we make decisions that, that, that hurt us and, and, and make us mentally weak and, and mentally sick. So we can't blame it all on them. So I just, I want to I I make you aware of that. But, but I do believe that everybody, everybody has issues. The second thing that I would say is I, I, I discovered through Scripture and I discovered in my own life that, that thinking, <laughs> this sounds a little weird, but thinking changes thinking. All right, thinking changes thinking, and here's here's what I mean by that. A mind changer. When you change your mind, it truly is a game changer. It changes your life. Uh, change of mind changes your life. Now, how, how do we change our minds? How, how do we how do we get rid of some of the neuropaths? And what we've learned in neuroscience in the last few years is is incredible. We've learned so much, and and one of the things we've learned is is neuroplasticity and the ability that we have to change our minds and and create new neuropaths, which are which are thought patterns that that we get stuck in. It can be they can be ruts in our lives, so to speak. And and how do we change them? Well, we've been we've been doing something, going some experiencing life this way, and we know that's not the right way. How do we how do we set it up to do this? Well, the cool thing that God has given us are are what's called micro. And microglia are mind maintenance, mind maintenance molecules, if you will. 
and their job, their job is to look around and, and, and kind of check out what we're doing and the roads that we've built, okay? And some of those roads started out as kind of a gravel road, and then we paved that road, and then we put exits on the road, and then we put, then we put coffee shops on that road, and we put, and we put Lowe's, and we put Walmart, and, and we're so familiar with that road, that narrow path that we go up and down. We can literally, literally drive that road blindfolded because it, it, it's just something that we've been up and down so much. And microglia, they, they are in our minds, and they're looking for the roads that aren't being used anymore. And when they see a road that's not being used anymore, the mind is always looking to conserve energy and, and to create, create better paths. And so when they see something that's not being used, they begin to do what's called neurodegeneration. Okay? And that's basically going in and, and destroying that road, deconstructing that road. So, so how does that work? Well, again, Paul, who has the most from his pen on this idea of, of mind management and mental health, he, he tells us, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, okay, gives us this list of things, six things, right? But he doesn't stop there. That's just the beginning to give us an idea because then he says, if anything, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, so hey, I gave you six things, but there's, there's some other things here too. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, he says, don't, don't try to not think about this stuff. Don't try to not think about the bad stuff. Think about the good stuff. And when you think about the good stuff, you begin with a, with a shovel and you begin to create a new path and then you add some gravel, then you add some asphalt and then before long you're building a road and the microglia see this other road over here and they're like, hey, we don't need that anymore. We need to get busy and deconstruct that and we need to construct this. That, that's the way it works. Thinking changes our thinking. We, we, we know that the mind doesn't work in negative in the sense that if I said to you, hey, don't think about a blue cow. Whatever you do, don't think about a blue cow. Please don't think about a blue cow. Guess what you're thinking about? <laughs> not just a cow, but you're thinking about a blue cow. That's why Paul says, he, do, he doesn't say, don't not think about this. Don't not think about this. He, he says, think about these things. Why? Because as you think about these things, you're creating this new thinking that will eventually get rid of this old thinking. Thinking, thinking changes thinking. The mind absorbs and reflects what it's exposed to the most. This is the law of exposure. This is a law of exposure. So, so thinking about what's true, what's noble, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable, and anything else that's excellent or praiseworthy, exposing ourselves to those thoughts, okay, those are the things, those are the things that we will absorb and those are the things that will be reflected in our mindset, the law of exposure. We see that played out in Proverbs 23. As a man thinks, so is he. As a man thinks, so is he. And Romans, again, penned by Paul, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, renewing of your mind, right? The microglia allow them to destroy the old part, and you create through God's word the new part, renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and his pleasing and his perfect will. Thinking changes thinking, okay? Facts about the fields. And then finally, facts about the fields is help is findable. 
<laughs> yes, it's a word. It's a word. Uh, they say that every 98 minutes a new word is formed. You're welcome. Okay? Everything is findable. And I would just encourage you, pursue it. Pursue the things that work for you. Okay, if I were to hold up a big giant ring of keys, they would all be things that, that help in the mental health arena. Lots of different things. But you don't need all of them. You just need the ones that work for you. So I, I know what some of those are from studying. I know what some of those are in my own life. And, and I just wanted to see if I could get some confirmation. So I put together this, this really, really serious scientific survey on Facebook. And I just asked people, hey, tell me what you do to have, have mental health. What, what do you do to, to help that, to grow that, to protect that? What do you do? And, and these are some things that came off of this survey. And they are some things that are not just found on Facebook but they're found in life, they're found in the research that's out there. Facebook survey. So here are the things that, that we found. Number one, pray. And, and I did put that number one because I think that is something that needs to be, it needs to be first, okay? What, what's interesting is Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who is a, a neurotheologist, okay? <laughs> this is actually a, 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 new, a new pursuit, okay? Um, and, and basically what it means, it, it, it's kind of a, a marriage, if you will, between the Bible and think of it as a marriage between the Bible and psychology today. It's where, it's where we understand that the things that we're learning in neuroscience are directly connected to God's Word and, and, and kind of looking back and forth and seeing how they, they work together. And what she's found, what she's found is, is through this understanding of how important prayer is in our lives, that if you pray for 12 minutes a day, okay, 12 minutes a day, you pray for eight weeks long, and they take a brain scan at the beginning of this and a brain scan at the end of this, they will discover that there has been some changes in that. And one of the things that's really cool about what happens is when you do this, you become kinder, you become calmer, and there are some things in your brain that are corrected as a result of prayer. This is, this is neuroscience that proves, again, what God's Word has been telling us over and over again how important prayer is. And I would just say pray first, but don't pray only. We'll talk a little bit more about this next week. But, but pray first, but don't pray only. There are other things to do. Yes, you need to pray, but it's not the only thing. Okay. So the next thing is not just pray, but read God's word. Read God's word. Uh, let the greatest counselor counsel you. When you read through God's word, you are being counseled. In fact, the Bible is called oftentimes the whole counsel of God. Okay, when people call winning at home and they say, hey, we're really struggling, and they go through their list and they're like, whoo, wow, you are, that's a lot of stuff. And they're like, we need your best and your brightest counselor. Is that you? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, that, that's definitely not me, but I know him. I know him. Well, well tell me about him. Well, uh, he's been doing this a really, really long time. Um, he, he's very, very wise, and uh, he's really, really good. He, he can help you. Oh, great, great. He sounds expensive. No, actually, it, it's it's going to blow your mind, but what he offers is, is free. Well, what do you mean? I said, well, do you have a, do you have a Bible? Uh, yes. Well, there you go. There you go. Start with the greatest counselor and his counsel for your life. Pray, seek God's word. Uh, music and worship probably don't need to spend a lot of time there. We all understand the power of music as it relates to our feelings and our emotions. But if we would add to that worship, again, it goes back to the law of exposure. What you, are, what, what, what you allow to think about the most is absorbed and it has impact on your life. So using music to not just modify your feelings, 
but to heal your soul. Heal your soul. Uh, sleep and naps are a really big deal. This, this has been proven over and over again. I was a guy that believed for years you can live on four to five hours, and I did. I did. But it took a toll on my body after time. And yeah, I was successful in those four or five hours, but I think now, after 50 years of research, the truth is it's seven to eight hours. No matter who you are, no matter what your personality type is, no matter how you're driven, seven to eight hours we all, we all need. I learned this powerful tool when I was just a kid. My dad... My dad understood that when he slept, it would wash his brain. And this is truly what we found in neuroscience. That when you sleep, when you rest, your brain is washed. Think of your brain as kind of a, a window that you're looking through. And, and, and over time, it gets dirty, and it gets covered, and it gets crusty. And if you don't do something to kind of clean that off, the information on the other side that you need that will make you healthier, you can't see. My dad uh, had, a, had a tool that that he would use from time to time, and, and it was really, really simple. It was basically a, a, a pencil that he would hold in his hands, and he would, he would tell his secretary, his assistant, he was a CFO of a nonprofit, had a lot of pressure on him, and he would say, look, I need just a couple minutes. I'm going to shut my door. Don't let any phone calls come through. And he would sit in his chair with a pencil in his hands, and he would close his eyes, and he would breathe. And when he relaxed enough that the pencil fell out of his hand, tink, hit the floor, he was good to go. Something had happened. I, I, I also remember it, one summer I was home from school, and, and I heard a car pull up, and Dad got out, and he came in the house, and I go, Dad, what, 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 what are you doing home? He goes, well, I came home to take a nap. I'm like, are, are you allowed to do, did you get fired? Are you, are you supposed to do that? And, and he, he said, yeah, yeah, it's okay. So he went into the bedroom, shut the door. He was in there for, I don't know, a half hour or so, and he came out, and he goes, I got it. And I said, what, what did you get? And he said, when I, when I, when I came home, I, was, I couldn't figure out this problem with the finances or a problem with the software. Or, and, and, and I just laid down and, 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 and it, I rested and it came to me. Sleep and naps, really, really, really big deal. Morning rituals, big deal. A lot of important things that help us to kind of get started in the right direction. One of the things that I do in the morning is, is I, I drink coffee. And this is part of my coffee cup collection. Only part of it, only, I, I, I am a little bit weird here. I love to get coffee mugs because the coffee mug to me is not just something to hold something really, really good, but it's also something not just what's inside the coffee cup, but what's on the outside of the coffee cup. So depending on what I'm doing that day, I use this as part of my ritual to get my CNS, my central nervous system, headed in the right direction. Let me explain what I mean. Not just the coffee and the caffeine, okay? But for instance, I have a NASA cup, and when I'm facing something, and I know I'm facing something that day that is really big and complex, and, and I'm not sure how to attack it, I drink out of my NASA cup, because I, I think to myself, hey, these guys figured out how to put somebody on the moon, okay? These guys are, are pretty smart, and I think I'm pretty smart. I'm going to be able to figure this out. So I begin telling my mind, we got this, we got this, we're going to be able to figure this out. Um, sometimes... And sometimes when I'm getting ready for a run, I drink out of my Skyway 10K cup because I'm telling my body, hey guys, I just want you to know in just a few minutes, once we finish this cup, we're going running, okay? And my body begins, you know how this works, right? You go into a restaurant and long before you've taken a bite, you smell the food, you see the pictures on the menu, and there's something that starts in your body to start going that direction and experiencing that long before you've eaten that. That's how it works. So morning rituals help us to get, and even if you're not a morning person, if you don't get up at 5 o'clock, but you get up at 11 o'clock, the, the process is the same. Make sure that you're, you're setting your direction early as to where you're going and allow your mind to, to, to get ready for what you're going to face 
that day. Breath work, super important. I, I can't take time to go through all of these and detail again. We're just looking at some of the top of the mountains. But this is really, really important because it calms the body and it calms the mind. What's interesting about this is, is, is doing it in the morning is, is like a time-release healing. You do it in the morning and you'll have the experience throughout the day. And if something pops up and is really going crazy, you can do it again. But you, again, you're setting through those morning rituals kind of the peace and the calm for, for the day. Meditation is another one. Meditation is not emptying your mind. That's Eastern meditation. Try to get everything out of your mind. No, that's not what we want. Uh, following Jesus is about filling your mind with the right stuff, filling your mind with God's Word. Again, the law of exposure, okay? Filling your mind with God's Word. Medication. We're going to talk again a little bit more about this next week, but, but the idea of medication, I'm not saying it's not important. In fact, there was a time nine or ten years ago I, I, I needed to be on some medication because I wasn't handling it on my own. The things that I had done that had worked before, they weren't working then. And I probably needed to be on medication. But all I would say is just, just be careful you don't start there. Start with some things, start with this list, and see if there aren't some things that you can correct in your mental health before you move to medication. I'm not a doctor, so I want you to be really careful about what I'm saying, and, and I am very careful about what I'm saying. But all of the doctors, all the psychiatrists that I talk to, all the GPs that I talk to, a lot of times I find that they're, being, they're, they're giving medication before they try anything else. If you need it, take it, but start with something else first. Laugh. This is really important, okay? I have a good friend who got his doctorate simply on his dissertation, which was written, How Humor Impacts Counseling. Find, find the things that, that make you laugh. For instance, like this video. This is a surefire way to make your wife laugh every time. First, take her by the hand, look her in the eyes, and tell her, I am the man of this house, and you will do as I say. Works every time. So find, find what makes you laugh. Really important. Uh, move your body. Move your body. You, you don't have to become a bodybuilder, but you have to be a body mover. You, you, you've got to get up and you've got to move around. What's really cool, we talked about microglia, which are the mind maintenance molecules that, that go in and they, they, they do some neurodegeneration. They get rid of this old road, the stuff that you don't want. Myokines are super cool because they are in our bodies ready to go. Okay, ready to go. They, they are what's called the hope molecules. And guess how you get them? Guess how they are released? Guess how they get into your bloodstream and get to your brain? Simply by moving your body. When your muscles are constricted, they release, they release this amazing stuff called hope molecules. And they help so much. They are the things that, that we talk about uh, runner's high. We talk about all this kind of stuff that, that really, really helps us. And you don't have to, again, you don't have to be a marathon runner. You just get up and move, take a walk, go, go swimming, uh, ride your bike. All of that kind of stuff, all of that stuff releases those hope molecules in your mind and helps you to be healthy. Connect with people. Connect with people. So important for that to be a part of our lives. Uh, no one plays Lego. We play Legos. And the whole purpose of them is finding connection. And the same thing with our lives. We need the right people in our lives. And then play pickleball. <laughs> okay, so this was on the Facebook post. And basically the idea here is, is, is pursue activities that activate positive emotions. Throughout life there are some things that you can't, you can't hide from. There are going to be some negative things that happen to you. But choose some positive activities that 
provide for you kind of a a resource, if you will, for positive emotions. So what now? What, what, What can we do? What can we do with all these fields, with this idea of mental health? What, what, what is our next steps? Well, next step is simple. Talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. And, and you can start with a trusted friend. There's nothing wrong with that. Tell somebody that you know and that you trust that you're struggling and you're going through a tough time. Pray for me. Whatever. But you may move from a trusted friend to a trained professional. Maybe there's some things that are that are bigger than just a conversation with a friend. And I would encourage you, please do that. This isn't necessarily a marketing ploy for winning at home, but we are a partner with Church Experience, and we work with lots and lots of people here. And, and I, we would love the opportunity. Again, we have a team of six people, of coaches and counselors, that work with a variety of different things. This is our phone number. You can text to that number. You can call that number, and I'd be happy to um, answer any questions that you have. And if it's not us, it's fine. You don't want to work with us, no problem, but work with somebody. Start with, with talking to somebody. Pursue your purposes. Pursue your purposes. A lot of times, we live our lives based on our feelings. And what we feel, we do. And what we do, we become. That, that, that's the wrong way to start that. What, what we should do is, is, what is our identity? Well, we're children of God. We're husbands, wives, uh, moms, dads, sons, daughters, single seniors. We have identity in, in what God has called us to, more than one purpose, purposes. Okay? So we start with that, and then we do the actions. We do, we, we do identity-based habits based on this identity. We do those things, and then the right feelings are going to come along. The right feelings. Don't wait for the feelings. Act your way into feelings instead of feeling your way into into actions. And then finally, serve somebody else. Uh, we thrive when we help others thrive. And, and here at Church Experience, there's some serving teams. The easiest thing to get plugged in and to get involved in so that you're giving, so that you get some mental health back from that relationship. I'm really excited about the opportunity, again, to be in this series and to be talking about the things that I'm talking about. Because, again, this is what I do, is what I deal with. And again, the opportunity to share with you, I, I hope, has been something that's going to make an impact in you. I want to encourage you to come back next week. Next week is going to be on anxiety and depression specifically, and what we can do and what God's Word teaches us about how to deal with all the fields. Lord, thanks for this day. Be with us. Help us to do the things that we need to do in order to have mental health, in order to have the ability to think and process, and move, and quality relationships, and help us to pursue you with all of our heart, in Jesus' name, amen.